Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. I am joined as always by Mr. Tim Lee. It is the Asian dynamic duo, Tim. Um, how you doing, man? Good. Uh, uh, happy holidays. Obviously, happy holidays to the listeners out there as well. So, you know, I'm glad to be here. It's been a while since it's just uh, been you and me, I guess. Yeah. Well, it's never been you and me, but like it's been a while since you and I have been on the show. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm like, I don't think that we've ever just done it, you and me, right? Um, everybody's mm-hmm. on vacation, you know, people taking days off, which is great. Yep. You know, everybody needs a mental health day. I fully support that for right. sure for me, especially. So, um, yeah, no, it's been it's been great. How's your um, holiday so far? It's good. I mean, it's going to start. Uh, I mean, it's been kind of starting here and there. Uh, families all kind of gathered up, usually for the year. So, you know, just going to do that with the rest of the family. And then the rest of the year will just be ending with more family stuff. So looking forward to that. And then looking forward to like starting out the new year and uh, just getting a break, I guess. Yeah. Right. I mean, just, do you guys do anything special specifically for the holidays? Nothing in particular for like traditional holiday stuff, maybe mm-hmm. traditional in the sense of like Chinese tradition, but not traditional in the American sense. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I'm the same way, right? Like I, I'm not like extremely traditional. Um, I guess like as far as like the Korean side, we don't really have like Korean traditions or anything like that that we keep to. I'm definitely yeah. more like, I'm looking forward to some prime rib for dinner. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm like that. that is a tra- that's a tradition I'm, I'm used to as well. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Nice. Nice. Well, speaking of traditions, let's go into, um, you know, a little football tradition. We're going to be seeing a lot of, obviously, we're going to be seeing a lot of bowl games. We're going to be seeing a lot of um, NFC, AFC action. We're also going to be seeing a lot of Laker action, a lot of basketball action during the holidays. Um, what are you looking forward to the most for, um, you know, Christmas um, time, watching watching sports in general during the holiday season? If we're talking football, it's kind of like settled. Funny enough, like the landscape has, has been pretty settled. The basketball front, you could also even argue a lot of things are kind of settling down as well, which is... When I first alluded to, like with like the Clippers, that I wanted to wait till Christmas to kind of just be able to formulate a really good opinion about what this team will look like. And while they're not like a hundred percent there yet because they've only been healthy for one game, it still was an impressive one game. But if we're talking just like football, I mean, obviously, like we already know where the Rams are going to be headed for the off season. It's going to be to a top five pick, and um, we already know kind of like where the Chargers are going to be heading into because their schedule lightens up after this. Uh, Miami Titans part of the schedule, which is where their 50-50 part would even have a chance to 
either mark them as a playoff contender or if they were just going to be a lost year. So the fact that they won two of two against Miami and against Tennessee, uh, that's a good sign, right? Like it's a, it's a, it's a good sign that this team has the, the wings to kind of be a playoff contender, but also kind of proving a lot of people right that the talent on paper really kind of matriculated and then f- became this team that everyone's now starting to see. Yeah, no, I, I love the fact that, you know, Chargers are proving everybody right slash some people, a lot of people wrong as well, right? Because it's been such an up and down season for them in the last few years as well. And um, it's kind of nice. I have, Arash and I both have this saying that comes from Sex and the City, um, good on paper, <laughs> bad in bed. Right. Um, and the Chargers are proving me wrong on that bad in bed part. So uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of looking, I, are you looking forward to day after Christmas, Chargers versus Colts? I mean, it's not a good game. Like it's right. not going to be a good game aesthetically speaking, but it's going to be good in terms of like what they need for the schedule. I feel like these games, the next few, the next three games, right? Because they get the Colts, the Rams, and the Broncos right. are very winnable. Like they're going to be favorites in every single one of them. And if they need a tune-up, or even if they need a rest, some of the players that are going to be coming off the IR, like they have a chance to do that before the playoffs starts. Which I don't even know if people would have even considered a month ago where it's like the Chargers had the luxury of resting people before the, the playoffs started. Like they could potentially be an 11 and six team, which for a lot of people would have been uh, unheard of. And if you had watched the Titans game, yeah, the, the box score was close. Like you can even argue that the box score was close against Miami. Uh, it was not close, right? Like for people that watched the game, they were just, it was a dominating effort on both fronts. Like we gave, I mean, I'm saying we, but like Chargers gave up like obviously the run defense is still an issue. Everyone's still kind of like regaining health on a defensive end. The offensive line is still technically a work in progress, even though it's been an expensive work in progress. But <laughs> like Herbert has looked good. And even last game, when he didn't have a statistically impressive performance, he still put up like the throws and the plays that we're accustomed to doing, the rollouts and having like the, the ability and the power to throw a huge like 40 yarder. That orchestrated drive against the Titans to win the game with him. Basically it was like a one-on-one with him and Mike Williams. And it didn't matter who they put on him. He like cut every pass. Every route was intended for the guy to go 30 yards and he caught and had 50 yards in one drive. And then they obviously had Dicker go in there and kick the game winning field goal. So like, yeah, the score was 17, 14, but like, was it really ever in doubt? I think like charger fans are so accustomed to having, you know, everything be like clenched, and like suspenseful that yeah this is a kind of like a chargers game one possession but it really wasn't and i'm trying to like reassure like people that have watched this team throughout the year that it's not going to be that at least suspenseful to end the season yeah i think when you're talking about chargers fans they're kind of like clipper fans right like right yeah. you should always be doubting you should never be like this is our year they're not like greater fans or, or cowboy fans or they're like this is our year we're going to win the super bowl and kind of i don't want to say delusional but that's like the best way i can possibly say it is that like you know saying that our team is going to win every single year it's just come on guys let's be realistic right. i think charger fans are actually realistic because they're used to getting disappointed um speaking of disappointed i want to talk about i'll switch over a little bit sticking with football but i want to switch over to the pro bowl um it's going to look a little different this year it's going to move okay. away from the traditional football game and instead players are now going to be participating in a week-long skills competition which i'm not mad at that I actually love the skills competition. I'm, right. I'm down with that. But 
it's going to conclude with a flag football game, the AFC against the NFC on February 5th um, at Allegiant in Vegas on ESPN, um, ABC and ESPN+. Plus. Are you down with this? Are you like, why even have a Pro Bowl in the first place if you're going to do flag football? Why not just do a skills competition and just have you know it be like a everybody go look at these players and sign autographs and stuff like that? What, what's your what are your thoughts on it? Because I got thoughts on it too, but I want to know you yours first. Yeah, I think we might be similar in the case that like the Pro Bowl needed to change, right? I mean, it was like such an event that even the professional players were just like, hey, uh, I don't really want to participate. It's too close to the playoffs. I don't even want to be in the Pro Bowl, uh, so you can give it to the next guy up. And like it, it was almost a running joke for like decades that if you were elected to go to the Pro Bowl, a lot of players that were in the Pro Bowl would just say like, "No problem, I don't want to be in the Pro Bowl. Give it to somebody else." So if they're gonna have like a thing where it's gonna be different and they set it up to be more entertaining, I mean, I'm all, I'm all for it, even if it flops as a skills contest. The fact that it's trying something different is is already like a huge jump in the right direction. I mean, like, what are your thoughts about it, though? Yeah, no, I love the fact that they're doing the skills competition all week. That's great. I think that that's what they should be doing the whole entire time because it's kind of like, you know, when you watch the All-Star game for the NBA and you're psyched about the dunk. Co- well, you used exactly. to be psyched well, about yeah, the dunk yeah, The skills challenge is now the three-point contest. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like the three-point contest is now the most exciting part because – there's only so much you can do with dunk contest and the people that should be in the dunk contest are like, screw that. I'm not going to be in the dunk contest anymore. Right. right. Um, I think, and unfortunately you get a lot of these players who um, you're right. A lot, a lot of like the really great players are like, I don't want to be in this. And it's a exactly. flag football. Here's my other thing too. I know you're trying to change stuff and good for you for trying to do that, but there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way to like entertain people. Cause there are, there are kids that go to this and families that do go to this that really want to enjoy it. It used to also be a vacation, right? Because it used to be in Hawaii. Hawaii. Yeah. So yeah. So it was kind of more of a vacation thing for a lot of these players and for, you know, fans alike, because they're like, I'd go to Hawaii just to go watch a skills competition. That's fine. And even like a fluff kind of football game right. but with this flag football game that you're doing now, it's I'm calling bull on this. It's like, it's, it, I don't think it's a great product. Like nobody wants to watch a flag football game. Do you want to watch a flag football game? No, pros? but the, the gimmick of a pro bowl was already bad to begin with. It was just yeah. like, not even the pro bowl. Half the time when you watch the pro bowl, it was like, up and coming rookies or second year players that are just really excited to be there. And like all the veterans, if you're not like an offensive lineman or you're like a defensive lineman where it's like, Oh cool. This is a great honor. You're probably like sitting at home or like you're preparing for the playoffs. Like most people, most players that were elected to go to the pro bowl just didn't go. Yeah. I mean, it's, I feel like it's, going to, it's going to continue that way until something drastic happens where it's actually a great thing to go to the Pro Bowl, unless you're like a first year or a second year. Exactly, right? yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to switch gears to uh, Major League Baseball, though, if yeah. if you're willing. Yeah, I, I mean, there's been a lot of signings going on. I mean, Mets in particular are getting stacked like right. crazy, um, kind of leaving L.A. in the dust. What, um, what are your thoughts as far as that? And also, what are your thoughts on the new, um, new purchase for uh, the Angels? Yeah, so I wanna I wanna I wanted to preface this by saying to Dodger fans, uh every single one of them, right? The eccentric ones, the the longtime Dodger <laughs> fans that everything is gonna be okay. Right? Everything is gonna be fine. Granted, it's a it's a weird year. Everyone's got their budget uh raised because of the meetings. 
and the Dodgers haven't done anything in particular that have like indicated that they're the Dodgers, at least the Dodgers of new, because the Dodgers of new have been like huge spending lords, right? Like they've been obviously the top of the budget. But I just want to remind everybody that this is a team that has been here before. This is a team that has done incredibly well with building their own farm system. And if they're going to go, go that route again, I don't think that's the worst route. I mean, like we've seen it with the Yankees when they build it up. And that's how they have Aaron Judge. I mean, he came up from their system. That's how they had a bunch of their players like uh, Severino. That became really, really good, like marquee guys. And the Dodgers obviously had marquee guys too. I mean, we shipped off Bellinger or like we, like they shipped off Bellinger. So like that was a marquee guy that they built up. That was a long time coming though. The, the, the Bellinger drop. Like, right. They, they gave him like two or three years to rehab his career. And, you know, obviously he didn't, and maybe he needed a different change of environment, but he was a player that the Dodgers, you know, put up from the farm system taught basically how to hit, scouted them out. There's a bunch of stuff they could have done that were better maybe towards the end of his tenure, but at the same time, he was a product of the farm system. So this is a team that has a good, in my opinion, a good reputation for creating stars and good players, role players or whatever from the farm system. And I want to remind them that they got Mark Pryor as a pitching coach, which for those uninitiated, he was one of the best prospects himself when he came up as a Chicago Cub, just, you know, injury bug and bad luck with his career with Kerry Wood, which prevented him from being the version that we would probably have been accustomed to seeing. But he's kind of like made that his mantle as a pitching coach. And a lot of teams have like these signature pitches that they teach their their pitchers when they come right. in. St. Louis have this, have always taught like their pitchers how to throw a good curveball. Atlanta has always taught their pitchers how to throw a good changeup. And then New York Yankees have always been known for their cutter. So the Dodgers, they don't have that kind of reputation yet, but Mark Pryor started to build this reputation of creating and refining these um, restoration projects. Like last year, he had Tyler Anderson, who has always been a middle-of-the-pack, good but not great, fifth starter, like an innings eater. He's never been a great pitcher. He's never been a bad one. And then he took Andrew Heaney, who's always been an incredibly great K-rate guy. I mean, I'm an Angel fan, so like I knew all about him. <laughs> But at the same time, he was also incredibly prone to giving up hard contact and home runs. Like his home run rate has always been insane. So you had Anderson, you had Heaney, these restoration projects. And what did he do? He gave them an opportunity to refine their pitch mix. He emphasized, uh, at least for Anderson, he emphasized more changeup use than years past. If you look at his percentages, he, he, he basically like killed off the bad pitches that he was known for throwing. And just refined it to being like a three pitch mix. And it's like, you know what? You're good at these three pitches. Let's just drive these three pitches down the middle. And for Heaney, he eliminated the changeup altogether and he heightened the use of his slider almost like 30%. He's like, well, you know what? Your, your changeup's not great. So we're going to go ahead and like scrap that project. We're going to go ahead and make sure that whatever your K rate and your, and your out pitch is, which is a slider, we're going to make that to be the reason why you're going to be a starter. And although health wasn't on his side for Heaney, for the majority of the year, he was good. And obviously, we saw what happened with Anderson. So, like, if they get anybody, and even if they don't get anybody, they have, I believe, to be a really good pitching coach to create not just, like, back-of-the-end rotation guys, but, like, legitimate contending rotation guys. Because I don't believe that Anderson is the version that we saw as a Dodger. I think that was a product of how good the pitching coach was. 
and the pitching staff was overall. Do you think that maybe with this pitching staff and, and the pitching coach um, that Anderson could hit a higher ceiling? He hit a higher ceiling. That's I think that's genuinely think that the he's, reason. He's, you, no, I'm saying like, you, do you think it could go? Uh, it could extend. Is what I'm, I'm a little. I'm a little pessimistic, but at the same time, he's not exactly hitting this new version of his career in his 30s. It's just difficult to believe that he has a difficult, like a different ceiling that he had already hit as a Dodger. He was already really good. Like he was a sub three p sub three ERA. If you want to even go like deeper, he was a sub x fip guy. So like he had the tools that he clearly what he did in as a Dodger was consistent, but will he continue to just emphasize exactly what he did with prior where he was just like a changeup guy and a fastball guy and like eliminate the stuff that he had done before? Like, or would he still have the same kind of bad habits? It's, it's hard to tell because he's going to be an angel and the angels track record for acquiring, I want to say like higher profile pitchers, pitchers in general really have not been great in the past. And even though they have a good pitching coach, in my opinion, with Matt Wise, because they had like Reed Detmers, who I didn't think was very good. He was the number one prospect, but he increased his slider usage from, I think, like 15 to 18% in the beginning of the year when he had that no hitter. But he was kind of like a game manager, like as a pitcher. But then at the end of the year, when he became dominant, that slider usage increased 35%. Uh, Sandoval, same thing. His changeup was his like go to pitch. So instead of having it be like increased usage, he just let it like, okay, I'll just increase my slider to 30% instead so people can just sit on my changeup. So like, I'm, I'm optimistic that Matt Wise is also a good pitching coach. I mean, like, it's hard to have a bad pitching coach when you have like Otani, right? Because Otani was arguably for a lot of people the best pitcher in the AL. Like he's a unicorn. He had like five different pitches. And there was a meme out there, like like a, a news story that like, oh, he wanted to throw his own sinker. And so he self-taught himself a sinker in a week. And it just so happened to be like an incredibly electric sinker. So that could have been him. That could have been Matt Wise. Uh, it's difficult to say, but they get Tyler Anderson. So back to your original point, like I'm obviously excited about the Angels acquisitions too. I just wanted to remind the people out there that the Dodgers are going to be fine. And they'll probably be a playoff team. And if they have this kind of like, great coaching staff behind them and the brain trust behind them that have provided them with this consistency that people are accustomed to, then there's, they're probably going to be fine without the huge acquisitions like the Mets have. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think you kind of said the opportune word is that they're, they're just really, really used to winning. Dodger fans are just, they're kind of like Raider fans. It's like this, the sky is going to be falling. Like there's going to be like all of these things that they're, you know, kind of, kind of used to, um, in the beginning and in the middle and the end of the season as well. So unless there's a ring at the end of that rainbow, I, you know, you can tell them to calm down all day long. They don't think it's going to happen. Um, Before we head out um, to break and uh, eventually talk to Nick Hamilton uh, on the show, I wanted to ask you sticking with baseball. I saw this thing on, um, on, uh, Instagram slash TikTok on a reel, and it was the new minor in the in the minor leagues. They have a, the ability to challenge um, the umpire's uh, call on a on, on their swing, right? So, like, if they think it's foul, they'll go automatically to the instant replay and just and but just by tapping their head. Great right. idea, good idea, bad idea. Great idea. I mean, like the the minor league is where they like adjust rules, right? Like last year, the pitch clock was the big, like the emphasized thing that they had too. So even if it doesn't work out, 
they have had opportunities to really refine and, and, and make sure that these rules that they're trying to implement are new. I don't know. Challenges? I feel that the more challenges, the better, right? <laughs> Maybe that's just me. I, don't, I know a lot of people don't like more challenges because it makes the game go longer, but sometimes like human beings make mistakes. So uh, I think challenges are correct. The I mean, experimentation is good. Yeah, I mean, especially considering that these are these are refs. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, refs, umps, whatever you want to call them. Right. They're all gonna make mistakes as we've definitely seen throughout the years. Um, is this a long time coming? Because I feel like I, I love what that the minor leagues are doing this, right? I love the fact that they are that this is kind of the testing ground, right? Exactly. Before it goes into the into the majors, um, which I think everybody should do. <laughs> and they all like the G League should do this in the NBA, the um, I, I wish there was a minor league for the NFL as well. I think that this would help so much when it comes to making things better. Um, so I guess we're just going to have to wait and see if this will definitely help. Um, yeah. Well, guys, uh, we're going to move on from there. Let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we're going to be joined by friend of the show, Mr. Nick Hamilton, hardest working man in LA um, in sports. Uh, when we return on the Mightier 1090 ESPN radio in Southern California, 98.5, the fan in Las Vegas and the Hawaii sports radio network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN radio. what drives everyone to make the most of every moment we celebrate living large in the now in a city where time disappears we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever we go big we go all night and here everyone is invited so get loose and get loud this is circa you'll have the time of your life This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show, presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California, 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Just as a reminder, guys, if you have a question or comment, concern, or just want to win tickets to an upcoming event, or maybe you just want to shout us out and say hello um in las vegas um uh, for those games in las vegas southern california or hawaii to win tickets call our hotline at 310-400-0340 again that number is 310-400-0340 and our email address i know we don't really bring this up a lot only when i'm hosting <laughs> uh is a show at gmail.com that is a-r-a-s-h-m-a-r-k-a-z-i S-H-O-W at gmail.com. Let's go to the Sporting Tribune guest hotline, guys. Sporting Tribune is your go-to destination for the best coverage of your favorite teams in Southern California, Vegas, and Hawaii. No paywalls, no ads, no autoplay, um, uh, no autoplay video, sorry. Just your teams and a clean reading experience. Visit the SportingTribune.com today. Let's go to it. Mr. Nick Hamilton, the hardest working man in LA in sports media. How we doing today? Hey, happy holidays there, everybody. How you guys doing? 
Happy holidays, Nick. Happy holidays. I'm I'm blessed, man. Blessed. All right, church on the move. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, Nick, we wanted to because this is the Arash Markazi show. I didn't want to uh, spoil it by bringing up. <laughs> those Los Angeles Lakers. Let's actually bring up the Clippers first. Um, Let's do that. Yes. Yeah. Right. Cause you actually got Clipper fans in this. We have Clipper nation um, on the Arash Markazi show right now. So wanted to bring up the Clippers and, you know, them being healthy currently and uh, you know, what uh, that probably would. would. Yeah. Hope, hopefully that'll um, bring promise to the franchise and to uh, their playoff contention hopes. Well, it was good. Unlike a particular fan, the Clippers end up knocking out the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night. And so uh, I think that was a positive sign as far as having everybody healthy. I think when he, we, we know how lethal this team could be when everybody is healthy and clicking on all cylinders. We've talked about the depth of this team to ad nauseum. But the thing about it is, and I have to agree with something that Terrence Mann said maybe several days ago, was the fact that when guys weren't healthy or playing or consistently playing, it does disrupt the rhythm and the chemistry. So you have to wonder down the stretch, how much would this affect this team as they make that playoff push possibly in the second half of the season after the all-star break, when you have guys that are not playing on back to backs or playing at a, a particular stretch of games, how is that going to affect their chemistry and getting them prepared for a playoff push as they look to bring uh, an NBA championship to their franchise? I think that's the question that everybody needs to really kind of focus in on because we know, like I said, how lethal they are healthy. Um, how do they adjust and how does that affect the, the, the mentality and the emotions of the guys who do play versus the guys like Paul George at times who may have a night off or Reggie Jackson or Kawhi Leonard who's at a stretch of nights off? Um, yeah. Will this compromise their goal of capturing an NBA title? And if we don't, if they don't capture an NBA title by the end of this season, this Kawhi Leonard experiment, it was not only an absolute failure, but he cost them an opportunity to win the championship, not once, but twice. And I say that because if you go back to the Phoenix series uh, a couple of years back, when they made it to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in Clippers history, thanks to the, uh, the, 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 the incredible play of Paul George, and he pretty much put the team on his back mm-hmm. and carried that team to six games against a Phoenix Suns team, which on paper – look like the, the the better team but if you had a healthy Kawhi Leonard even for three games out of that series we'd be talking about the Clippers being in the NBA Finals that year and possibly beating the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis still being without a ring um, so that, that this would be twice if Kawhi Leonard can't pull it together that he compromised and cost them an opportunity to win the NBA championship I wholeheartedly agree I mean I I think you nailed it with the two points that you mentioned, right? Like costing them the team, sure. But like because we acquired, I mean, because the Clippers acquired Kawhi, right? That meant that SGA, right? Shai Gilgis Alexander is not a Clipper anymore. So we don't even have that kind of future piece to look forward to. And we've already seen this year just how much growth and upside this player specifically has. And maybe he wouldn't have had that same kind of ceiling if he was a Clipper. But the potential was always there via rookie year. I mean, people knew that SGA was going to be an incredible player, but like maybe not this great. I just felt like if we had kept them, if the Clippers kept them, it, it might have been a different story as well. And what you mentioned with like adjusting for each other, that makes a lot of sense too, right? Like you can't have players that are just constantly in and out of the roster, in and out of the lineup. 
But it's kind of like poetic that Terrence Mann, of all people, was the one that said that because he's been the person who has played, in my opinion, with the most configurations of this team. He has seen the most starting lineups and has been in the starting lineup so many times that he, I'm sure that him adjusting to anybody else is probably the easiest to do. I mean, he's played with Powell. He's played with Covington. He's played with Batum. He's played with Zubac. My, my, my only question with it is like, can this team, because there were so many injuries in the early on forefront of the season, like what are their defined roles? I mean, they still haven't really figured out specifically because when everyone was hurt, everybody had huge usage rates go up. They were spiked. They were like huge players that became from role players to like the absolute feature and focus of the team. Like what's Zubash going to do now that he is no longer playing second fiddle or even like primary option? He's like barely even the option on offense because he doesn't get that many field goal attempts. I know last game, the Charlotte game, you could throw that away a little bit because he had foul trouble. But for the most part, he's not going to be the de facto option that he was before. No, because see, here's the problem with that. Everybody wants to crown Zubak when he had that that incredible double-double game as if he was the next coming of Shaq in his <laughs> Sure. I mean, everybody was sitting here lathering this dude, uh, ball-washing this guy to the highest degree. And then I'm sitting here saying, wait a minute. The guy had a good game. No question. Against, I think it was against the Pacers, I believe. Uh-huh. And so I'm saying, okay, give credit where it's due, but let's not go overboard with it. Where was this dude when you needed him the most? Like you're mentioning foul trouble. That's not a dude that's going to get you to help you get you to the promised land that always constantly in foul trouble or can't get the ball. This is a dude where he doesn't demand the ball. Is he a serviceable center? Yes, but everybody wants to talk like Zubak is the end thing. Oh, man, the Lakers made a mistake by letting him go. No, the Clippers actually came up by the Lakers letting him go because he didn't fit the Lakers' model at that time. Nobody wants to talk about that. All these Clipper nerds, and I'm talking about some of these fans, want to sit here and some of these analysts want to sit here and act like Zubak is the second coming of a center. But he's not. He's a serviceable center, and he could probably help you in certain regards, but let's not act like he's the centerpiece of attention. The centerpieces of attention are Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, which they gutted the farm for, and that's why they gutted the farm for. Nobody gutted the farm for Zubak. The reason why the main, the main let's be honest, the main reason why the Clippers re-signed him because they really didn't have a whole lot of value out there on the open market. Let's be clear. Okay, I'm not saying that no team wanted him because there were a couple teams that did were looking at him, but he wasn't an open commodity. He wasn't like, oh my god, teams are just foaming at the mouth as if they just saw you know somebody that was just we have to have them or else. Um, so let, let's put everything in perspective. Um, I didn't. Mean, I didn't mean Zubac just like the feature of the offense. I just meant like, no, no. I don't you? Mean. Yeah. Okay. Man, I'm just. I'm just tired of hearing some of these so-called analysts and some sure, of these sure. Clipper nerds. That is sit up here, you know, like I said, like he's just, you know, the second coming of Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, no. Um, and the second thing to your point is that I have to disagree on is the fact that Shea Gilders Alexander, I don't think he was accelerated enough to get the Clippers to where they needed to. I think ownership, I think upper management felt like, okay, we've got to turn this fire up a little bit more. Um, we got to accelerate this process because we've got to get out in front we got to build this franchise with a new owner. we got to build this franchise to, a, to some type of contender to where whereas we're gaining fans, fans can be proud of what they see the product on the floor. And I think that's one of the reasons why they had to give up Shea Gilders-Alexander. I think Shea Gilders-Alexander is a special kid. I think he's going to be dynamite in the right offense, especially with complimentary pieces around him. Yeah. Um, but I think at that moment, 
um, when you're looking at the, the 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 longer picture, you know, L.A. is a place of stars. Shea Gilgis Alexander was not a star at that point. He was, he was up. And he was coming. a rookie. He was a rookie. That's hard to yeah, say. He was, but here's the thing: at that moment, though, he was not a star. L.A. is about stars. You have to bring stars. The Dodgers figured that out. The Rams figured that out. The Lakers have always had stars. Even the L.A. Kings at one point had stars. USC now has stars, right? They have Lincoln Riley. They have a quarterback. They right. got stars, right? UCLA has probably got landed the biggest star with their recent recruit in Dante Moore. So yeah. they've got stars. You have to have star quality to compete in this L.A. market. If you don't have star quality to compete in this L.A. market, you're not going to go anywhere. Same thing with the WBA when they had Candace Parker. People came out to see Candace Parker because she's a star. She's a bona fide superstar. Okay? That's what L.A. is about. At the time, the Clippers had no bona fide superstars. Now they had one in Kawhi Leonard. They had one and they had a star in Paul George, and they brought them together and were able to say, okay, now we got somebody who we can market. That's why I think they went that direction. I don't think they wanted to give up, personally give up Shea Gibbs Alexander, just on the skill set alone or the potential skill set. But because he wasn't the star and they had to get pieces in place and build that fan base, sometimes you you gotta you gotta sacrifice something to get something possibly better in return. Sure. No, I agree with the fact that like obviously when he was a rookie, he wasn't gonna be the established player that he is now. But I'm just saying like we already saw glimpses of it when he was a rookie. I mean, he started playoff games, which is pretty unheard of for a rookie with no experience, right? Except to be to be a guy who plays thirty minutes in the playoffs. That's that's all I wanted to point out. It's not the fact that like, oh, we should have kept him. Was there a way to keep him with Paul George? That clearly he made the ultimatum. Paul George wanted to play with Kawhi, and he was only going to play with Kawhi, right? Like he he they kind of like had that kind of like deal put in place. Absolutely, but I'm just saying. You see, you're thinking from a basketball standpoint. Sure, I'm saying it just from a business marketing standpoint, standpoint. Which, right? Right. And from overall like marketing and economic value. No, right? we'll agree on that. We'll so, agree on that for sure. So I, I'm not disputing what you're saying from a basketball standpoint. Absolutely. Um, but the Clippers knew they're 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 on the clock. They had to do something very, would seem to be drastic at the moment. Sure. I mean, I, I think I think the encouraging signs are. I mean, we saw it in a microcosm against Charlotte. This is a team that legitimately looks like it has. I mean, it already had championship aspirations to begin with, but the fact that it did so well, my, like their the defensive efforts on the three point line was like super encouraging to see. They're obviously like very very good on their own front with shooting threes. This is a team that just has like a forefront attack. And that's why I mentioned the Zubach thing, because it's like, if they have Zubach be more defined with his role, instead of being topsy-turvy, this team could be, I mean, I just wouldn't be able to see any weaknesses. Does that make sense? Sure. I mean, I, it, it, listen, my ultimate basketball fantasy was that I was hoping that it, the relationship would have soured in Phoenix um, and you would have been able to have DeAndre Ayton, oh, okay. free agent. Right. The Clippers scoop up DeAndre, maybe in the signing trade. I don't know what they've had to do, but somehow get DeAndre Ayton to play with Kawhi and Paul George and Reggie Jackson. Sure. Right? Or I'm just gonna be uh, John Wall, right? Like imagine that guy, those guys who's actually happy with a chip on his shoulder, the size of Frito Lay, playing in the Western Conference and having to see Phoenix at least three times a year. Right. Um, I want to speak. Not, up. Not, Sorry, go ahead, Nick. 
No, no, I was saying that would have been an ultimate combo. But, yeah. You know, it is yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, speaking of the other LA teams, um, I want to switch over to the Chargers really quick and their what looks like a cake walk uh, from the next three weeks. Um, Chargers are playoff bound. It's just, it's a foregone conclusion. I'm pretty sure really? they're all. Yes. You sure? I mean, you sure I sure. can, can I, we agree I, on I, that? I, I would say yes. No. No. <laughs> of course. It's the damn Chargers. It's the damn Chargers. Are you kidding me right now? What kind of cake are you baking? Concrete cake? <laughs> what kind of, who's baking the cake? If you're just I mean, by reputation alone, sure, you can, you can have pessimism. Chargers are going to charge. And I'm not confident they're going to make the playoffs. And even let's just say a remote chance they make that seventh seed. Sure. Right? Or they drop to the seventh seed or stay in this. They're going to lose in the first round. They don't have what it takes to get into a deep playoff run. That team is poorly ran. The co- Brandon Staley is not head coaching material. Okay, he should have never been the head coach to begin with because he's a he's a good coordinator. I'm not taking anything away from Brandon Staley as a coordinator or his knowledge of football as a whole. But as a head coach, he is not head coach material. Not when you have a guy like Sean Payton breathing down your neck every step of the way. And it, and let me say this: Tommy T's days of his key card working are starting to be numbered. If you are an ultimate franchise and you're trying to turn the tide and you really are serious about winning, not just trying to put butts in seats and buck in the system, you need to hire Sean, uh, Sean Payton as your head coach and Lewis Riddick as your general manager. Those two with a franchise quarterback like Justin Herbert, who I think is absolutely incredible. I've gone back and forth with people like Emmanuel Acho, who's who's tried to clown and demean Justin Herbert all season long, ball washing Tua Tagovailoa, and we saw what happened with Tua Tagovailoa against that Chargers defense. I have to remind people of that. As injury well as injury, injury as, Chargers defense, too. Exactly. Against the San Francisco 49ers, who did not have their quarterback, right. whose defense demolished Tua Tagovailoa. But I digress. <laughs> Getting back to the Chargers, uh-huh. like I said, this is a team that I, well, I mean, first of all, you got your, your best safety is injured, unfortunately, which is Derwin James, because I think Derwin James is an absolute flat out stud. I yeah. think the guy's, the guy's in, extremely brilliant on the field. This guy can beat you inside and out when he's on the field. He's an absolute threat. You don't have to just look for Joey Bosa anymore when, he, when Joey Bosa's on the field. You got to watch Derwin James. Right. This, this guy will attack, and he is a hungry lion on the field, okay? This dude is somebody special. Unfortunately, they don't have him right now. Hopefully, he'll be back before season ends um, where he can really showcase his skill set. He's a pro bowler, I believe, now this year, um, or potential pro bowler. Um, you know, So their, their, their defense is depleted. Khalil Mack is past his prime. This dude is a, is, is, is a truck that you got to kickstart to get going from time to time. Okay. Um, so I don't believe, and I mean, the offense, can Mike Williams stay healthy the next, what, three games? Can he stay healthy? You know what I mean? Can 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 you give Justin Herbert some some suitable wide receivers that can actually play and not get hurt by falling on the damn ball? That's my concern. And yeah, it looks like a cakewalk, but cakewalks can also turn into avalanches. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, you can I, slide. You can think you slide in. You can slide right the hell off the cliff. Yeah. No. I mean, I agree with you. There's no such thing as a a automatic dub 
in the NFL for sure. But you got to admit, at least the path looks a lot more wider for them than in years past. How, Sway? You don't have to answer, Sway. Two of the three last teams, though, have already given up on the season. So, like, honestly, like, I am in agreement. I think this is a pretty easy schedule to end the year. Your point, if they're talking about, if we're talking about playoff stuff, obviously, like, this is a team that's untested and, like, unproven, so we can't crown them anything. I'm not saying this is a Super Bowl team, but they have the marks to be that, right? Slater is arguably a guy who's going to come back. That's their best left tackle. Uh, sure. You mentioned Derwin James being questionable. I don't think he's he's not in threatened to like lose the season. I think he's actually questionable for even this week. They're going to get Joey Bosa back before the end of the year. This is a team that has like so much talent. And like you I mentioned, like, yeah, Mike Williams, yeah, is he going to stay healthy? But if he doesn't get healthy, Palmer, who they groomed to be the next guy, like he does the exact okay. same role. Okay, but let's 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 be honest here. It's also about chemistry, right? So you got these guys who've been out. Joey Bosa's been out a bulk of the season, and I'm not yeah. saying I'm not knocking Joey Bosa at all. But there also is rhythm, there's timing, and there's football shape. And so when you have these guys who have been out for so long or enough period of time where they have to figure things out, you can't figure things out. Like that. Like I said, yeah, you talk about the Rams, who's also on the schedule, yeah. I believe, January 1st. This is a Rams team who has nothing to lose. So all they're going to do is be, you know, Walter Hayton when it comes to saying, okay, we're going to play spoiler to the last, the last game. Can they the even can they even play spoiler if they try? This it's is, possible. This is I mean, it's, po- I mean it's, po- it's possible. I mean, this is, I mean, listen, anything is possible. I'm sure. not saying the Rams are going to beat the Chargers. But, I mean, anything is possible. A last-second field goal, last-second pick six, you never know what could transpire. When they, when the Raiders when the, when the Raiders had them down what, for two and a half, maybe three quarters, and the, and the Rams stormed back. Now, who, now I, when, I, when I watched the game, I turned the game off because the Rams were, were looking like absolute trash. Yeah. And, and then I come back, and like the last what, 10 seconds, I see the score. I'm making sure I see the score right because I know I haven't been drinking that much. And I'm looking at the score, and I'm sitting there saying, wait, when did this happen? You know? And so that's what I'm saying. You never know in the NFL, as, as Jihei alluded to, you never know what's going to transpire, especially in that fourth quarter. Now, they're getting blown out by, like, 30. Yeah, you're going into the fourth. Yeah. yeah you, ain't Joe Montana. you ain't got Joe Montana <laughs> back there, okay? You don't have time to, the, the prime Tom Brady back there, okay? Yeah, you pretty much got the game won. But anything can happen. It's the Chargers. You can't crown them. You can't do anything past. But even if they make the first round of the playoffs, I think they're a one-and-done playoff team if they make it. I take. I think yeah. it's take. Uh, I mean, I, if it happens, it happens. I, I, I can see it happening. Nick, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. That's all the time we have for today, guys. Let's do it again manana. Until then, this is the Arash Markazi Show saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.